You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Tonight's podcast is about how to survive the holidays, holiday food and drink, how to amp up your digestion, how to deal with the emotions around the holidays. I have a ton of really cool, exciting new information to share with you. But before I do that, I want to uh, give you a little bit of an update on what's happening here at Life Spa. I don't know if you noticed, but our website is sort of uh, loaded with new stuff. And I know your, your lives are super busy and I just have so much new information and I get it. You don't get to watch it all. And that's fine. But um, there's some really cool stuff I want you to know about. One is I put together a training program called Question Your Digestion. It's a training program about how to understand your digestion. I'm going to give you a taste of that tonight a little bit as well how to reboot your digestion, strengthen your digestion, why you should question your digestion. It's a four-video free training program. Erica, who did the filming for this, she's been with me for years. She said it's the best training video we've done so far. And you know the lymph one we did was pretty amazing. And the one we did on how to cleanse, how to do your own cleansing uh, last spring is also pretty cool. So these trainings, are, I, I love them, and they're completely free. And it's what people seem to be asking for is more in-depth knowledge. On that point, also this fall, I teamed up with Yoga Journal and Kripalu Yoga Center, and we put together uh, an Ayurvedic 101 certificate training program, something I've been wanting to do for a long time, was going to do it on my own, but got approached by, uh, by Yoga Journal to do something with them. So we put together this training program called Ayurveda 101. It's a certificate Ayurveda yoga training program. It's in combination with me and uh, Larissa Carlson, who was the dean of the Ayurvedic school, a yoga teacher at Kripalu. And if you want to know about Ayurveda yoga and Ayurveda, and there's three modules, one for each season. So you get hooked into each three different modules to help guide you through the seasons. It's a really cool concept. I love it. And that's also launching today, actually. It's launched today for the first time. So you can take it and sign up for it and you know dive into it whenever you want throughout the year. Um, but the first wave is starting today as we speak. And there's some discounts that go along with that, of course, that you can kind of tune into as well. And then, of course, don't forget that Eat Wheat, my book, uh, which is a bestseller, by the way, already as an ebook, um, which is so exciting and getting really great reviews, uh, it launches January 10th. So it's a great, and it probably ship a lot sooner. So also a great gift idea. You can pre-order that book uh, for some of your friends as well. So, okay, so here we go. Um, this is all about how to deal and navigate the holidays and what's happening to our digestive system during the holidays. It's sort of, uh, sort of really interesting. Let me just go one place here. Okay, good. And in the wintertime, our digestive system becomes stronger, but it doesn't just like instantly become strong. It ramps up. And it's kind of cool because there's enzymes, for example, like amylase, which is an enzyme that we uh, evolved to be able to produce about 2 million years ago. According, and this is a little sketchy, but it's been a long time since when we did this. When exactly it happened isn't 100% locked in. But it was right around the time that our ancient early humans started eating wheat and barley in the grasslands that covered most of Africa. And they started eating a diet that was in some studies show that up to 45% of their diet was grain, believe it or not. And um, 
And they started to evolve to create an enzyme to better handle that grain because Africa was covered with wheat and barley and they found gluten in the teeth of ancient humans throughout Africa 3.4 to 4 million years ago. So it's hard to ignore the fact that our ancient ancestors definitely did eat wheat. And they amped up an enzyme that happens to be cyclical. This is the cool part, that this enzyme increases in our body in the winter, fall and winter, and decreases in the spring and summer, suggesting that these grains weren't meant to be eaten three times a day for the rest of our life for 50, 60 years. They were meant to be eaten in season, like most foods are supposed to be eaten in season. And those foods are part of the digestive ramp up. The amylase increases our digestive strength. Even studies showing that the parasympathetic nervous system in relationship to digestion, it's the rest and digest nervous system increases in the wintertime and decreases in the spring and the summertime. The idea being that the digestive strength, which is hot, fire, acid, you don't want that in the hot summer months when you're trying to dissipate heat and handle and endure the heat of the long summer. You want that internal heat to fuel you, fire up the digestive system, keep you warm. Um, you want that digestive fire to help you break down hard to digest foods like wheat and dairy and, and, and grains and nuts and seeds and things that root vegetables that are way more dense that grow all summer long and then harvest in the fall for winter eating. These are, these are the strategies that we evolved to be able to do when we eat seasonal food. And you can't forget the idea that, that every season the, the, the bugs in the soil change dramatically. And the foods that grow from those soils have those bugs on them if you don't spray them and if you eat them organically. And those microbes become our new microbiome so we can dissipate heat in the summer and get rid of congestion in the spring and amp up our immunity in the winter, which is one of the things that we really want to have happen in the winter months. So here we go into the winter. Holiday food is usually heavier, grainier, more bread, more pasta, more of these heavy holiday kind of comforty foods. And that's okay because we have the digestive strength amped up. Now, sometimes you think, my digestive system isn't amped up. I still bloat. I have gas. I have issues. So we might want to give it a little bit of support. And nature does that too. All in addition to the grains being harvested, the nuts and the seeds being harvested, so are all the spices. And there's five spices that I adore for amping up your digestion this time of the year. And it's ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, and cardamom. It's ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, and cardamom. And each of those individually do like crazy amazing things to help us digest better. When you put all five of them together, they do something even more amazing. They actually work together to not help give you digestive acid or give you digestive enzymes or duodenal enzymes or bile. They actually, the science shows, they actually help trigger the production of your own hydrochloric acid of your stomach, your own digestive enzymes, duodenal and pancreatic enzymes, and your own bile and support better lymphatic drainage off the intestinal tract, which is like super critical, by the way, because that's where the lymph, lymph lives in our body is around the intestinal tract. It's the immune response and the drains of all the toxins in the body that have to be processed through that lymph. So very, very important. So, so starting to think about, about having those five spices. You can cook with those spices, sprinkle it on your food. We have a product called Gentle Digest. And this is 
I formulated for, for could I call it gentle digest because a lot of people are very delicate in their digestion. And this is a super easy to digest. I've never had anybody have a reaction to it. It's very delicate, very gentle, and very easy to tolerate for gas and bloating and to amp up your digestion. There are other types of digestive systems that a lot of people have that are just flat out boggy. We call it kapha digestion, wet, you know, sort of heavy, mucusy digestion where the food can sometimes just sort of sit there and, and you sort of bloat and, and you feel very heavy and very groggy and, and you don't have heartburn related to this. It's, a re, it's, a, it's an excess amount of mucus that's there that creates bogginess. And for that, there's a formula called warm digest, which is, which is basically ginger and long pepper and uh, black pepper. And that mixture called Trichitu is called warm digest. And that is a, a digestive stimulant to help fire up the stomach's production of acid. So in that case, if you did take that, the more acid you make, it burns up some of the excess mucus in your stomach, triggers bile flow, and you're in good shape. And some people on the other side of that equation have already sort of scorched their, their stomach lining with too much acid, and it's burning and a little acidy and refluxy, and that's where we give something called Cool Digest, which actually has amalaki in a formulation called Avipartikar, which cools the stomach lining but strengthens the ability to digest food. Really cool formula. So those are the, the three digestive strategies that you want to have in place depending on where you fit. But sometimes we need a little boost in the, in the beginning of winter to get the digestive system started. The simplest way to do it, start spicing your food with turmeric and ginger and cardamom and fennel and coriander and these spices and even a little clove uh, are all so good to help us digest. And we don't use a lot of spice anymore. We don't cook a lot anymore. And these are things that have gone by the wayside, but really very important as part of the subtle aspect of our digestive strength. Very, very important. The other piece of the puzzle that I think is very interesting is grains, not to keep doing the eat weed thing, but grains in general have a lot of fiber in them. And everybody thought that whole wheat and whole grains are only good for us because of the fiber, the heart-healthy oats and the heart-healthy wheat fiber. They are heart-healthy. But studies show it's not just the fiber that makes these things heart healthy. It's the other aspects of the grain itself. But I want to talk about fiber for a minute, and we'll get to the other aspects in a minute. There are two types of fiber, soluble and insoluble fiber. Insoluble fiber is like vegetable roughage. Think of celery and all the fiber that there. You chew it, it kind of scrubs and cleans your intestinal skin like a scrub, but it doesn't actually get digested. It's insoluble, right? And then there's soluble fiber. <clears throat> Think of oatmeal. You mix it, it gets gooey, slimy, and it kind of slimes up your intestinal tract. And those soluble fibers <clears throat> are incredibly valuable. And when you think about what kind of fiber you get in what kind of season, it's sort of interesting, right? In the winter, you get grains, and most of them have soluble fiber. You cook the grain into a mush or a gruel, and it becomes slimy. And those fibers, are, they break down and they become soluble fiber. They're warmer, they're, they're, they're slimy, <clears throat> they're nourishing, healing, and reparative for the intestinal skin. So in the wintertime, when it's dry, nature wants something slimy, nuts and seeds and oils, heavier, slimier foods to help provide 
benefit to protect the gut wall from excess environmental dryness that takes place. In the spring and the summer, you get all your leafy greens and your roughage, and that's when it's cold or hot out, and the, you know, in the spring it's very wet and rainy and muddy, and you have a lot more mucus available, and it's not so dry, so we scrub the intestinal skin with those fibers. So shift your fiber intake from lots of roughage and juice and even raw foods and things like that in the spring and the summer to cooked grains and cooked foods and more soluble fibers this time of the year. Very, very important to make sure that you do that. Um, now, here's something that uh, a lot of folks don't realize is that um, when we're trying to amp up our digestion and we don't feel good digesting certain foods, we logically, right, just take it out of your diet. If I don't eat wheat, if I eat wheat and feel bad, I don't blame you. Take it out of your diet. If I don't eat dairy, I feel bad. Yeah, take it out of your diet. If I feel something makes me feel bad, I'm not going to eat that food. If I eat fried food, I'm not going to eat that food. And it turns out a lot of those foods that we eat that make us not feel good aren't that great for us. But gluten has become a $16 billion a year industry. All of a sudden, that's scary to me. I mean, when in 1960, when the sugar industry paid Harvard researchers to, 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 to direct the blame for heart disease on fat and, and misdirect them away from sugar, which worked, by the way, and we ended up with a cholesterol-free 60 years that linked us to, to the replacement fats were these, these processed, cooked, refined bleach oils that shut down our digestive system, congested our liver and our gallbladders, and rendered us unable to digest, hard to digest food, which is linked to diabetes, obesity, and depression, not to mention indigestion. And now a brand new $16 billion a year industry that says wheat and dairy and all grains for that matter, and nuts and seeds for that matter, are bad. And that's the direction that we're going. And we're replacing these nuts and seeds and grains and gluten with processed gluten-free foods. I mean, are we ever going to learn our lesson and go, wait a minute, didn't we make that mistake once before and it turned out to be a disaster that we're, all of us are digging out of diabetes risk right now? All of us are digging out of mood-related issues or obesity, trying to get rid of the fat because our liver has gotten so congested from these processed foods. These processed foods are linked to 141% increase in diabetes risk, belly fat, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and cholesterol, and lower good cholesterol, 141% in the exact same study. People ate wheat, whole wheat, and non-processed foods, and the reduction of those things reduced by 38%. We have an epidemic of problems in our diet, in our, in our health, in addition to inability to digest certain foods, not because the foods are necessarily bad, but the process nature of those foods and the history of eating them for 60 years has made, us, made it very difficult for us to digest stuff. So instead of just taking the food out of your diet, what about rebooting your digestion? That's what my question digestion free training was about. Big part of my Eat Wheat book is about is to help people understand how we cannot chase the symptoms again and again and again. And it all happens right now. I know a lot of stuff happening in our life right now with the holidays, a lot of crazy stuff, right? But the digestion is trying to turn itself on as we speak, and we want to support that with seasonal foods, right? You've all heard me tell the story. You're like, please don't, don't tell the same story again, please. I'm going to really quickly. Deer eat, <laughs> eat bark 
right? In the winter, and they have microbes to do bark, right? And they have leaves in the summer, and they have microbes for the summer to do leaves, right? But if they eat the bark in the summer, they have the wrong microbes, that they don't digest as strong in the summer as they do in the winter. The deer get such a level of indigestion, it could kill the deer. So we know that, that deer die when they eat out of season, and you know what? So do we. Slowly but surely, we don't get the right microbes in our gut for the right season. We're eating stuff out of season. We don't know how to digest it. It creates undigested food. Ayurveda calls it ama. It congests into your lymphatic system and the lymphs get congested and bad things happen. That's an Ayurvedic principle that I've, that, I, that I've translated into English for you in so many articles with real hard science to back it up. And to, to the extent where I've even put out a grocery list, superfoods and recipes for every month of the year for you to get the right food in the right season so you know what is in season. And then, of course, get non-sugar versions and non-processed versions of that, and you're in good shape. Why is all this important? Because those digestive, that, that digestive strength is linked to your ability to digest in your immune system. Here's something that you're not going to believe, and it blows my mind. And I have a hard time even telling you this because I can only imagine the backlash. Studies show that people who ate a gluten-free diet have four times the amount of mercury in their bloodstream, the people who didn't eat a gluten-free diet, who ate wheat, okay? So, and I've written about this study. You can go to my website and read about it. Other studies show that people who ate a gluten-free diet had significantly less good microbes and more bad microbes than people who ate wheat. Another study showed that the killer T cells in our body, which basically measure up to your immune strength, were significantly increased with people who ate wheat and significantly decreased with people who were on a gluten-free diet. The studies are suggesting that these hard-to-digest foods, like wheat and, and maybe the casein and dairy, although that's not required, and, and, and not wheat is required, but grains are, I think, required. Nuts and seeds and beans and legumes are required. They have hard-to-digest anti-nutrients, lectins, phytic acids on them that are specific immune stimulants for your intestinal skin that amp up our immune system. When you take those hard to digest foods out of our diet, we've been eating for 4 million years now. It's not 10,000, this is wrong. They were 4 million years worth of genetics to figure out how to digest these different foods. And those foods trigger an immune response that are now we're seeing studies beginning to show, and I'm writing about them as they come in, that our immune system is a lot weaker when we eat these processed, gluten-free foods or get away from some of these grains. I get it. You don't feel good when you eat it. Don't eat it. But let's fix the reason and get the digestion back on track. Very, very important piece of the puzzle. Here's some other really interesting science that relates. Amish kids, right? They run around with, in the barns with their bare feet. They have cows as their pets. They're, they're, they're completely unindustrialized. They compared them to other uh, uh, sort of Mennonite farmers who became commercialized, and the Hutterites, who are the other kind of Mennonite-type farmers who became industrialized, have the highest rates of asthma on the planet. The Amish have the lowest rates of asthma on the planet. They measured the dust that they breathe in the air, in their houses, in their barns, and the dust turned out to be respiratory skin stimulants to boost up their immune system so they didn't get asthma. That principle, it's called the hygiene principle, I forget exactly what it's called, but something like that. And, it, and it's that idea that, that we need some of these stimulants. We can't sterilize everything. Didn't we learn that with the microbiome and antibacterial soap and scrubbing and antibiotic, everything? Yes, the same principle applies. 
We need some things that are harder to digest. We've evolved. There's microbes in your mouth, esophagus, stomach, small, large intestine that are specifically engineered to digest the hard-to-digest epitopes, glottons of wheat, specifically. And when it's all working good, it does that. It doesn't digest it all in your tummy. It sends some of that undigested gluten into your large intestine to trigger butyric acid and other short-term fatty acids, which drive a powerful part of your immune system. In my face, it's the major driver of gut immunity, where 80% of your immunity is housed in your large intestine. You know, so anyway, lots of information there to talk about. So in the holidays, yeah, enjoy some of these foods. Try to find non-processed versions of these foods. Try not to have sugar-laden versions of these, of these foods. Your digestive system is bigger and stronger and more robust in the middle of the day and not so good at night. So try to have a late lunch or an early party, earlier at 5 o'clock party as opposed to a 9 o'clock party if you're going to be eating. Do it then. Studies show not only is our digestion stronger in the middle of the day, but the foods that you eat, actually your salads and your broccoli and your vegetables, actually deliver more nutritional value in the middle of the day when the sun is up than at nighttime. Powerful information regarding the circadian rhythms that everything's connected and having a bigger lunch is better for us because the foods are more nutritious at that time and our ability to digest it at that time is also amped up as well. So one strategy, right? Bigger lunch. Does it matter if you eat it on the run? Yeah, it does. Ayurveda says if you eat standing up, death looks over your shoulder. So don't do that. Try to sit down and relax and eat your food because that triggers when you're relaxed, right? That triggers the parasympathetic nervous system, which also increases digestively in the winter, but also increases when you just chill and eat your food. Calm down, relax, be calm. This is important because this is the time when our body can digest, and it digests better when you sit down and relax and take your food. The whole idea of sitting down, saying grace, maybe people don't do that anymore, but the idea, and studies show that the ritual before eating actually improves digestion. It doesn't matter what the ritual is. They say you could tap your head four times, doesn't matter. You could say grace, you know, whatever you choose, but actually creating some little ritual that triggers your brain, oh, we're going to eat. You see what I mean? If I like hit the button that says, this is my digestive button, which actually it is an acupuncture digestive button, but if I hit myself right there and just squeeze that, my brain will associate over time that if I squeeze that, then food's going to come. So if I just squeeze that, my stomach's going to start like the Pavlov dog thing, right? And these rituals, and it's not to say that grace doesn't have much better value when you pray. There's a whole, I've written many articles on the value of prayer. But I'm saying it could be as simple as, you know, any ritual to help your body digest. So anyway, th those are some simple strategies to help you. And of course, uh, 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 if you're a wine drinker, wine with a meal is actually considered to be very healthy. Uh, not all of us have the genetics to do that. So some of us do it and don't feel great. So chances are you don't have the genetics for that. But if you do it and it feels good, then you probably do. A glass of wine with a meal, your major meal, will actually help relax you, activate parasympathetic activity, and help trigger a digestive response. So you have to plug in your own individual response to that. You can't, it's not an all across, nothing's an all across the board, everything, because all of us have genetics from all over the world, and we all have our unique tweak to the genetic theme. You know what I mean? Like some of us, wheat would be something you just don't need to do. But maybe quinoa, you have the genetics. But it still has the grains, and it still has lectin, it still has phytic acid, it still has anti-nutrients. 
in the gluten-free industries after quinoa and oatmeal and other non-glutinous grain grains as well. So we can't let that happen. We gotta stop the craziness, fix the problem, and that's exactly why I wrote Eat Wheat and loaded it up with over 600 scientific references to make sure nobody could say he's just crazy. That might be true, but at least we have the science to, to back up the topics and the concepts in the book. A um, couple of other things I want to talk about. We know that if you take the poop out of an anxious mouse and put it into a calm mouse, the calm mouse gets anxious, right? Take the poop out of a skinny mouse, put it in a fat mouse, the fat mouse gets skinny. We know that the gut bugs produce 95% of the serotonin in your body and trigger mood-related you know, support. And if the gut, it's like the three little bears in there. It can't be too dry, constipated, can't be too wet, loose, gotta be just right. If it isn't just right, the bugs don't proliferate the way they should. And you end up having a gut, brain, brain, gut, you know, pathway that's sending emergency messages to the brain and the brain sends emergency messages back to the gut and to the rest of the body and life becomes an emergency. Now, in emergency situations, and it could be a mental, emotional emergency, a physical emergency, a trauma, whatever it is, those emergencies trigger the body to respond and react. And we do it emotionally. We create mental, emotional patterns of behavior to dig ourselves out of an emotional hole. Let's say I buy you a Christmas present for 20 bucks, right? And you get me one from the dollar store, okay? I'm gonna realize quickly that you owe me $19. And my brain is mathematical. It wants it to be equal. If I give you a gift, you gotta give me a gift. It has to have equal value, otherwise you owe me. That's sort of how it works. So if I give you a birthday for 20 bucks and you give me one for the dollar store, you owe me $19, and my brain is waiting for the $19, and it's waiting. And if I don't get it, I'm going to think, what's up with that? So I'm going to try to figure out how to get this thing back into balance and get my $19 back. So maybe I'll be a little cold shoulder or a little passive aggressive or not so nice to you or not want to send you a birthday card. I'm going to figure out how to create an emotional response, create a molecule of emotion that says, you owe me $19, even though I never get the cash, I know, but I'm gonna send a little emotional message and I'm gonna put that in my brain, in my fat, in different parts of my body. So in case I see you again, boom, I've got a pre-recorded response to send that message. You go home for the holidays, which a lot of you are gonna do, and you, have a, you might notice yourself using up a lot of those pre-recorded responses that you created as a young kid that responds to your parents and the reactivity you have to them, right? So that's how we do it. We have these emotional protective responses of, well, I'll get my $19 back. How many times in your life you've got hurt feelings? And how many times in your life have you had to sort of figure out how to get out of that feeling of feeling hurt? You create an emotional response to that. Well, that's how it works. And those emotions, guess where they go? They plow right through your gut, take out your good bugs, send stress messages to your brain, brain sends stress messages to the whole body, and now we're in compensation, fight or flight, reactivity, compensate mode. And we have to endure that stress. And yeah, we're designed to handle, endure that kind of stress, but we evolve, we, we, we thrive when we're not in stressful situations. We don't have millions of years of genetics being chased by a lion. We have millions of years of, of genetics chilling in the savannas you know, it wasn't a lot of, there was fight or flight for sure, but it wasn't like every minute of every day, like it is today. 78 hours a week, work, 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 work. It wasn't like that. We had, just think about, go for a walk in the woods. I mean, how much real like fight or flight goes on there? That's where we go to find peace, right? That's what they live. It was a, it was the, 
is silence of nature that we entrained with. Feeling that connection and the rhythms of nature was part of us, and we've lost that. The science shows our circadian connection is gone. So these emotions are really, really important to be aware of. When you go into these situations, you say, oh, look at how I'm reacting to my mother. Look how I'm reacting to my father. And, and am I doing them or am I doing me? Am I engaging in behavior based on them? Am I engaging in behavior based on what I think they will like? Am I engaging behavior reacting to their crazy, stressful, old school way of handling me? How am I reacting? If you're reacting to the environment, you're doing them. If you're reacting and realizing I love them, I care about them. Um, but yeah, there's 80 million things that, this, that they're crazy. I get it. But if you engage in behavior based on them, then you're doing them. So if I can say, you know what? They're just trying to do the best they can. You know, not to get too crazy in time here, but um, roses. I'll give you the rose story. People are like, no, not the rose story. Okay, the rose story. I don't even know if this is true, okay? Truth be told. But roses, let's assume this is true, okay? Roses are billions of years old, maybe not that long. And they never had thorns. Initially, they didn't have thorns. And they were, they, you can eat rose petals, on if you knew that. I read about it in my three-season diet challenge where you can get the free grocery list and, and, and all that every month. You can eat roses. And everybody ate roses. The, the rhinoceros ate roses. And the elephants ate Everybody ate the roses. And they would trample the roses. And the roses were like, this is ridiculous. We grow all these beautiful petals. They trample us. They don't even say thank you. So they decided that what if we grew some thorns? You know, they would get pricked but we wouldn't get eaten, we wouldn't get trampled, so they took a vote, they decided to grow thorns, now roses have thorns, right? My point is, is that if someone is reacting in a situation in your life that you're not particularly fond of, it might be that they were trampled, and it might be that they grew some thorns, and what they're projecting on the screen as their protection is the thorns. And you can react to the thorns, right? So if someone throws a dart at you, let's say a thorn at you, you have three, three choices. One, throw a dart back. Two, run away because your mom told you to run away from thorny people. And three, you could realize that the reason they threw a dart at you in the first place was because they were hurt. And if you throw a dart back, you're going to hurt already a hurt person. If you run away from them, you're going to abandon a hurt person, making them feel worse. And if you just realize that both of those reactions were you reacting to their pain, as opposed to you just doing you. I understand they had a tough childhood. They're doing the best they can. I let the darts fly by. And I respond to me. I'm a loving, giving, kind person. I have compassion. Understanding for that person is easy. And then you can make a list of all the things you like about that person and appreciate about the person, all the struggles they've gone through and things that they've tried to do to become better people. And you think about those things and you engage in authentic behavior based on that truth, which is you doing you versus you doing them. And all of a sudden you give them some love and they're like, whoa, nobody gives me love. I'm always the one that gets the dart thrown or they hit me. They, it would like completely throw a wrench in their whole plan, right? Like the sun shines light on the earth and we kill its cattle and chop down its trees. Sun doesn't care. It just keeps shining, right? That's who we are. And that's the message of this holidays is to realize great opportunity to interact with family, great opportunity to think about how am I doing me or how am I doing them, right? A lot of us, we're just conditioned to react to the environment, react to make them like us, react to make 
you know, to make us feel safe, throw some darts, some thorns, put some thorns up, put our wall up around us? What if we took a risk to take the armor off and let the truth of us out? Let the delicate petals of the flower open and give yourself fully in this holiday season. Pretty cool concept. So um, with that, I'd like to uh, open up to some questions and uh, take some phone calls. If you want to uh, ask a question on the phone, just push star two, and I'll get to that in a minute. Got a couple of questions here I want to I want to answer as well. Okay, so um, I would enjoy a conversation on how others have shifted holiday traditions as well as others have encouraged family members to live in line with Ayurveda, all while keeping peace. Um, I think she's asking about how to align yourself with uh, the tendency for our holiday traditions to be shifting to something that it maybe wasn't when, when I grew up, for sure it's different, and how to bring Ayurveda and principles which are also different than how I grew up, or many of us grew up, and, and bringing them into our, our house, into our family. And what I really believe in is modeling behavior. I find that that if I'm really passionate about something and I do it and I live it and I breathe it and I don't try to like make everybody else do it and try to force them to do it, control their lives in that regard, they come to it naturally. You know, I have six children and, you know, I did not clobber them over the head with Ayurveda. I feel like they sort of have come to it as they've gotten older or clobber them over the head with spirituality. And I feel like they've, they're coming to that more as an adult. I always felt like sort of, I mean, I think it's good to give them a good foundation of love and kindness and joy and peace. And, but I feel like spirituality is such a personal thing, you know, and I just felt like if I would model my behavior and show my passion about it, that they would come to having a spiritual life. And I feel like that's what's happened in my life. And same with holiday traditions. I'm also not rigid about holiday traditions. I feel like the kids, you know, we're sort of evolving this whole new thing uh, as we speak. And not to say there isn't some bumps and some bruises. I've got a middle schooler and a, and a 10th grader in high school still left in the house. And, you know, this internet thing and the social media thing is an absolute, uh, you know, live human experiment. And I don't think anybody has an answer to it. So we do our best to limit that and and do the things we can to, to help make sure the kids stay on track, which is, uh, which is tricky, challenging, for sure. Um, what are the best ways to drop uh, a sudden spike in your glycemic index if someone just consumed lots of sweets or, simple enough to make, uh, or simply enough to make them feel bad? Um, well, that's really tricky. If you drink, uh, you know, if you have a lot of sweets, that sugar is going gonna, is gonna to go one of the things that can help slow the absorption of the sugar is fiber. So, you know, you can go heat up some black beans uh, or something like that, but fiber will actually slow the absorption of your sugar. So beans have the highest fiber content on the planet. When you look at the centenarian culture, um, uh, when you look at the, uh, the, the uh, centenarian cultures, you realize that they ate all beans for almost every single meal. So it was very, very important for them to have lots and lots of beans in their diet <clears throat> and that provided them with the fiber. So that's one way to do it as well, is to help you know, have a lot of fiber after the meal. Um, fats provide sugar, provide energy, so they're not really that good. So fats are different than fiber. 
uh, even though fats are stable, they're still energy supply systems for us. So we don't want to necessarily do that as well. Um, okay, so, and then um, let me just check here. Um, any other questions? Yes. Are, there season, are the seasonal microbes killed with cooking vegetables? It's a great question. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Um, uh, so um, it's a really great question, and um, I'm going to leave it at that because there's some, there's some studies that show, like wheat, for example, is a natural, uh, in some studies, shown to be a probiotic, definitely a prebiotic. Lots of foods are natural prebiotics. All your fibrous foods are natural prebiotics. Um, so this is the question. I feel like the book is still out on that. And it's something that I've dug into the research and haven't been able to really get enough juicy information to write an article about, but I've been, been looking into that for a while. So great question. Sorry, I don't have the great answer for that. Um, let me see here. Now the phone calls, if anybody has... Um, a question, push star two. And, um, and um, the other thing, to, when we talk about emotions, just thinking about that, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's this crazy mind of ours that plows through our gut, takes out our good microbes, and causes a host of underlying physical, mental, and emotional concerns. And I think we all get that that it's stress, mental stress, emotional worry stress, that really takes us out. And that's something where around the holidays, you know, we're going to eat a lot of food. We're probably going to eat more than we should, drink maybe more than we should. And it's okay. It's a time of year where we're sort of designed for that. You know, fermented foods were designed to, to uh, help vegetables, you know, be preserved throughout the winter months. Milk, cheese, if, they, if the you know, early Europeans didn't have cows to take them into the Alps, there probably nobody in the Alps at this point in time. It was the milk that they would actually, you know, preserve in the form of cheese or yogurt, and that would allow them to survive the mountains. So fermented foods are very, very important this time of year. This is fermented food season as we speak. But it doesn't mean you clobber yourself with tons and tons of fermented foods. They're really good for keeping your microbiome up, keeping your health up. But small amounts of yogurt, small amounts of kimchi, small amounts of sauerkraut, small amounts of olives or good quality pickles uh, are, are really valuable. Yogurt, buttermilk, um, uh, or good hard cheese. You know, now in America, you can get raw cheese, which is really cool. It's been, it's been, it has to be sitting for at least three months, which means that's really great because all the bugs have eaten up all the casein. So it's a pretty much a casein-free thing. They've eaten up all the lactose. It's pretty much a lactose-free thing. So raw cheese is pretty much casein and lactose-free. So most people who are lactose and, and dairy intolerant can usually handle that, you know, very, very, very well. So also a really good time this time of the year to kind of, to kind of troubleshoot your digestion a little bit. If you have issues with dairy, try just having a, a glass or a cup of 100% organic heavy whipping cream, which is basically uh, just a 100% fat, no protein, no, no sugar, nothing in it but fat. And if you have problems with that, you don't really have a dairy intolerance because there's no casein or lactose in the heavy whipping cream. It's 100% fat. So that means you have a gallbladder issue, which is very much more common, believe it or not, than the dairy issue. A lot of people think they have a dairy issue, but they usually have a fat issue. You know, uh, ice cream is a killer because ice cream is very fatty and it's got the sugar and it's got the, at the, 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 uh, the lactose, added sugar, lactose and casein and the fat. 
But if you take the fat, eat it alone, and you have trouble, you know you have a gallbladder issue. And things for gallbladders that you really want to care, help amp up for this time of the year are in season this time of the year to help amp up your digestion. A lot of those are the root vegetables, particularly beets. Beets have a lot of betaine in them. They help vasodilate the bile ducts and they get bile moving. They're natural bile movers. So a beet a day. Uh, apples are still here. They're really good as with malic acid to increase bile flow. Cooked apples, if you don't like raw and it's a little harder to digest for some of you, cooked apples and cooked beets, fantastic this time of year to amp up your digestion. And if you're looking at digestion-related issues, a lot of emotion issues, consider taking a look at our Lighten Up Cleanse. Um, we usually put that on sale in January, so stay tuned for that, uh, which is our four-day cleanse, but it's got a whole series of emotional um, uh, self-inquiry videos to help guide you through uh, the process. Uh, maybe should we give it to you before the holidays, but I think giving a cleanse before the holidays is just not the time, but afterwards is a great time to detox, reset digestion a little bit, and scrub a few New Year's related emotions. Well, anyway, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, uh, thanks for, for joining us, and please stay tuned for our next podcast coming up, which will be about uh, eating wheat. It'll be when my book actually gets launched on January 10th, Eat Wheat. We'll have a podcast geared to all of the science that I think is just mind-boggling around e eating wheat, uh, way more than I talked to you about today, and some strategies about how to eat wheat again and, and dairy and putting it safely back into your diet. Don't miss last opportunity to get the Question Your Digestion free training. That's going to end here very, very soon, so don't miss that. And then, of course, the brand new launch of our Yoga Journal Certificate Ayurveda 101 training program course where you get a certificate in Ayurveda. A lot of you are health coaches and really would love to get a certificate of, of completion training for your Ayurvedic training. And this is a really comprehensive program. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next month.